Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I'm here with Grant Baldwin. Now, he is on the show because of Nashville, Tennessee. My roots came up, and when I read that he had three daughters, I thought, I have to have this guy on the show. But he's got a lot more wealth of knowledge I can't wait to talk about so many things about coaching and speaking. He's the founder and CEO of The Speaker Lab. He's helped thousands of people build successful, sustainable speaking businesses. So I'm I'm super excited about this episode. That is exactly where I'm at in life. And he's a sought-after speaker, podcast author, and accomplished entrepreneur. Grant, thank you so much for being on the show and welcome. Emma, thanks for uh, letting me hang out with you. I appreciate it. All right. So look, we'll kick it off. Uh, yes, it is the Vegemite question. The first question, a patent break. It is you either love it or you strongly dislike it, or you've never tried it. It's the Australian spread. Grant, by that face, I'm not sure. Oh, What's your take? I, I don't know that I've ever tried it. Okay. What, give me a comparison. What's it What's it taste like? Uh, it's, it's. they say you scrape it off the bottom of a beer keg. It's yeast, it's sour. <laughs> it's pretty gross, but as an Aussie, we absolutely adore it. We grew up on it, but it's an acquired taste. Would you give it a go? I mean, I'm game to try anything. I'm guessing my wife might like it, actually. She's a big vinegar fan, and it almost sounds kind of what you're uh -huh. describing there, like vinegary. So uh, I, could, I, could see her, I could see her giving it a shot. Right. I'd definitely give it a shot. I could see her enjoying it. All right. You sound like you're somebody that gives life a go. So in which case, our follow-up question, based on the way you were answering that, you can choose now. You're either your worst coaching moment and what were the lessons or your best coaching moment and what were the lessons. What, what would you like to start with? the best coaching that any of us can receive is, is not necessarily where someone said something, but where they were uh, some type of conversation or question that they asked to just kind of led us to our own aha or epiphany, because it's kind of, you know, if, if a coach tells us, Hey, here's what you need to do. It's kind of like when, when raising your kids, you know, if you tell a kid what they need to do, it's one thing, if they come to that epiphany on their own and you either kind of guide them or lead them or ask them questions that helps them to arrive at their own discovery, then it's going to make it much more impactful. It's going to be more sticky. It's going to be more lasting. And so I think uh, I think about like situations and times for me where I've had some type of aha and epiphany, and it's not even necessarily from what someone said or from what a coach uh, implied or anything, but it's just kind of my own connecting of the dots in my own mind that's like, oh, okay, now I've got a lot more clarity. I know what I need to do next or I know what I need to do now. And so I think like that, that helping, helping people to have their own epiphanies uh, is one of the, the, the more powerful attributes of any coach. Mm, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think that's why this podcast is so important because our audience is both sport and business. And right. that philosophy is very much of a business coach, whereas a sports coach you're also there with technical knowledge and tactical knowledge. And so I think bridging that gap, but I, you're singing to my heart already, Grant, with uh, that philosophy. So I love that. What, what about on the flip side? What about a coaching moment that doesn't, that didn't go well for you? Yeah, I think the, um, I guess the opposite would be the case of, of a coach that's just telling you, here's what you need to do. Here's what, and you're just like, no, you're not, you're not even listening. You're not even hearing what I'm saying here, you know, um, or someone who's just kind of like dictating of this is what needs to happen next. And there are times where, again, as again, let's go back to the parental example where we feel like, 
I, I could step in and solve this for you right now, but I'll give an example right now with uh, our oldest daughter. She just turned 16 and she had applied for a job and uh, it was a job she really wanted at a, a small little boutique bookstore. And she had, she sent them an email. She hadn't heard back. And I said, I wanted to jump in and be like, okay, here's what you need to do. Da, 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 da. And here's a, and at, even at one point, uh, uh, she was going to write a follow-up email. And I was like, let me just kind of like talk through and like, I'm like dictating to her what the email is, you know, like this is what you need to say. And here's why. Da, 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 da. And like, yeah, there's some teachable stuff, but I'm also, uh, I'm also just like, that's not going to help her at all. So she ended up landing on like, Hey, I, you know, I recrafted the email. I did my own thing. And then I've, and it was all like, she started saying like, Hey, I did this. And then I did this. And it was things that like, I probably would not have done that. I don't know if you're going to be as successful or not successful, you know, doing it that way versus this way. But it was also going like, hey, you do what makes sense for you. And if it works, awesome. And if it doesn't work, you're going to come to your own conclusions on why. And that's going to help you better than me just telling you, here's what you should do. So uh, I think, again, a, a good coach, someone who is not just a uh, instructive in terms of here's what, here's A, B, C, D, E, but Hey, here's some things for you to think about. If you can come to your own conclusion on A, B, C, D, and knowing that like, sometimes it's not going to work and sometimes you're going to fail and sometimes you're going to drop the ball, but, uh, but allowing them to come to their own conclusions on that, uh, is definitely a lot more effective and powerful. It reminded me of some research that I read, uh, about, around when that happens, that the information, and you, you've used the word stick already, but the information sticks when they come yeah. to their own conclusions, even their own failures. And uh, I'm failing every day, Grant, and <laughs> it helps me remember how to improve uh, and move on. So speaking of moving on, our next question is the sliding doors question. Yeah, I can give you two that, that come to mind that were real pivotal moments. One was uh, when my wife was pregnant with our first child. And so there's nothing like bringing a kid into the world that just caused you to question everything of just like, what am I doing with my life? And so for background, I had gone to um, Bible college. I was a youth pastor for a little while, worked at a local church, had a lot of opportunities to speak. Speaking is one of those things I felt like I was good at. Um, and, but there were a lot of things about being a youth pastor. I didn't necessarily enjoy. I didn't feel like I was good at it. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And it's kind of like, you know, you, you kind of think in your mind, what, whatever that career thing is, of uh, like, oh, I've always wanted to do this and you get into this and then you're just like, that's not really what I was hoping it was going to be or what I signed up for. And so when she was pregnant with our first child, it just definitely caused me to think through like, okay, what is it that I really want to be doing? And is this it, or is there something different? And I didn't want to just settle or go through the motions of, you know, okay, I went to college to do this thing and, and gave it a shot and therefore I have to do it for the rest of my life. Um, so that was definitely a pivotal moment of going like, okay, if I wasn't doing this, what would I want to do? And speaking was the thing that I really kept coming back to. And again, like I said, speaking was one of those things I felt like I was good at, wanted to do more of, I just didn't know what to do next. And so ultimately making the decision of I'm, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to become a speaker. I'm going to build a business doing this. Um, just like going all in on that was super, super um, uh, impactful for me. The second thing was if we fast forward several years, uh, I was speaking full time. I'd been doing about 60 or 70 gigs a year, really enjoyed it, Was had a good amount of success as a speaker. Um, but I, I found myself kind of bored and I found myself going like, you know, is this it? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? And, and so 
um, there was, I was speaking at an event in Reno, Nevada, and there's a, a friend of mine, um, he's probably 20 years older than me and very, very successful speaker and just kind of a mentor type figure and a guy I talk to regularly. And, um, I was, uh, tell him, tell my wife, I was like, this is the kind of guy I want to be like when I grow up. Right. And so when, uh, I met up with him, we went over to, to Lake Tahoe and I remember we drove around the lake and I remember there's a dock that we went out and we just kind of sat on there and we we're talking about life, talking about business. And I remember telling him, um, I was just like, I'm just kind of bored. I'm not really sure like what's next. And he said, he said a couple of things. One, he said, um, Grant, I feel like you are a, um, you're wired to be an entrepreneur and you happen to be a really good speaker. And, uh, and so he said, the other thing he said to me was that in your career and life, you want to find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set. Where the challenge exceeds the skill set, meaning the first time you start doing anything, you feel like you're way over your head. But over time, what happens is it flips and the skill set exceeds the challenge. Meaning, like when I first started speaking, I was just like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And this feels like way over my head. But over time, it flips where I could go speak to a thousand people and, and do a great job, but just be on autopilot and just kind of be bored. And so you have to regularly find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set where you feel like you're over your head, uh, um, uh, but in a good way and not like in a, I'm, I'm going to die or this is going to uh, be uh, super detrimental or anything. But like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the challenge of it. I'll give you one example. Like right now, I am uh, uh, learning uh, how to fly, I'm learning, uh, just taking like uh, flying lessons and, and learning to get my, my pilot's license. And I just feel way over my head. Um, but again, not in like a um, unhealthy way, but just like, this is a big challenge and there's a lot to learn here. And I don't have any freaking clue what's going on, but I know I can learn. I know I can figure it out. And there's people that are uh, uh, more smart, uh, much smarter than me and less smarter than me that figure this out. So if they can do it, I can do this. Um, but it just feels like I'm in over my head. The challenge exceeds the skill set, but in a good way. And so that, whenever he told me that, uh, that really resonated. I think a lot about that a lot of of making sure I'm in situations where the challenge exceeds my skill set. Again, not in an unhealthy way, but in a way that just pushes me, that challenges me, that helps me to be, to, to get better. Mm. What great advice from your mentor there. And I think it's important to not beat ourselves up sometimes when we have uh, different career pivots totally because it's what keeps you fresh doesn't it I really I've never heard that before the challenge exceeding the skill set and then when that flips okay well literally what is next yep, yep. Uh, that's awesome thank you for sharing that uh, our next question is our guiding question on the podcast that is in one to a maximum of three words what do you think it makes a great coach I gotta choose my words carefully here I would say listening and patience would probably be two of the biggest things. And again, really tying into a lot of what we've covered and talked about thus far of mm. not inserting yourself, but to just be a, a guide in the story rather than trying to be the, the, you know, the, the star character um, and being patient that there's going to be, you know, when, anytime anybody is learning something, when the challenge exceeds the skill set, it, you have to have patience with them. If you are that guy that knowing like they're not uh, anything that, that you do really, really well. Um, so for example, the other day I, I take this, um, take this flight and I'm with a, an instructor and, uh, he knows way more about this. And so he has the curse of knowledge. And so he, um, it's been a while since he was in my spot of going like, wait, what do I do again? And what does this button do? And if I turn the handle this way, what, you know, and like, 
you have that curse of knowledge. And so just having the patience of everybody starts from zero, everybody starts from scratch. And so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say listening and patience. Fantastic. It reminds me of one of my mentors at the moment. She's actually running uh, coaching courses uh, for the Australian Air Force. Mm. So the, the Australian Air Force, you think about that in the same situation, you're learning how to fly. It, it, life, it can be life and death, right? Totally, like, totally. Move. So therefore, there needs to be that level of technical knowledge, but also the trust to to empower the people that the answers live within and that with the guidance that you will get there, but that patience piece is, um, is fantastic. And interestingly, in my global research of over 500 coaches, um, listening comes in at number uh, three and patience comes in at number 10 of, of, mm. of all the responses. So, mm. um, so fantastic. Uh, our next question is where we ask you to ask us a question. What's that one question that sparks Grant's curiosity? Uh, one thing I like to ask is, what are you excited about right now? Or like, what's working for, and it could be personal, it could be professional, it could be like, what's something that's working that's top of mind? Because oftentimes, like, people like talking about what's going well and something that they're, uh, is, uh, that they're excited about. And so, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a common question I like to use. So, Emma, what about you? What, what are you excited about? Yeah. Oh, you want me to actually answer that? <laughs> yeah. Fire away. What do you got? I'm going to turn the tables on you. So uh, right now I'm excited about stepping into uh, what well, this is and another reason I really want to talk to you, but stepping into this world of being a speaker where I've almost got the book now. Mm -hmm. So what makes a great coach and the research that I just mentioned is it's in, it's at the type in the typesetter's hands. Uh, so I'm excited about how I link that together with my, you know, the TEDx talk, the book and my speaking skills as the package. Because when I first moved to America, they go, you want to be a speaker? Where's your, where's your TEDx and where's your book? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. They, they seem to be two prerequisites and maybe you'll blow the myth on that as well. Uh, but I'm excited about that because I think when you reach certain milestones and, and writing for me is my greatest challenge. Mm -hmm. So I think when you reach those milestones, it is important to stop and celebrate, which is why I really love also what's working allows you to focus on your strengths. Mm -hmm. um, in that question alone. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Cool. That's so awesome. Congrats. Congrats on the book. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate, really appreciate that. So let's go there for you. What's, what's one of your greatest challenges right now? And what are some of the things you're seeing with your clients? What are they really struggling with? Yeah, I think one of the big challenges that a lot of speakers struggle with, that we, we work with a lot of speakers who are early on in their career, who are getting going, who are, they've, they've probably done some gigs here or there, um, maybe have been paid a few times, but would love to get to do more gigs and get paid consistently. I think one of the big challenges that they often have is um, getting clarity on who they speak to and what problem that they solve. And so oftentimes, especially early on is, is we just want to speak as much as possible. And so who do I speak to? I don't know. I speak to humans. I speak to people. I, my message is for everybody. And, and what do I speak about? I don't know. What do you want me to speak about? And, and the same thing would be true with, with coaches oftentimes. Like if you just genuinely love coaching and you're like, 
what, who do you coach? I coach everybody and anybody, anybody who's looking for something and anything I want to coach them. And okay, well, what do you help them with? I don't, I can help them, you know, financially or relationally or with their business or psychologically or mentally or emotionally or health. You know, like, I, what do you want me to coach you? I can coach you. It's just like, but that doesn't work. You know, you can't try to be all things to all people. And so going from I'm everything to no, no, I'd solve one specific problem for one specific audience. It's just difficult. It's really, really difficult to do. And so, uh, and again, I don't think that that's exclusive to just speakers or coaches or authors, or anything. I think it's, that's the case with just uh, any type of entrepreneur. And so that's one thing that there's a regular challenge for us within our business is we've had, um, we've had a lot of growth and a lot of opportunities within the business. There's a lot of things that we could do. There's a lot of opportunities and shiny objects and things that would be easy to justify and saying, oh, we could totally help people with this. We could totally help people with that. But saying focus and saying, no, 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 like, here's where we're best. Here's what we're really, really, really good at. And all those other things are good things and ways that we are leaving money on the table and opportunities that we can help people, but we can't do everything. And so we're going to choose to be great in these one or two ways versus trying to do a bunch of things um, at a mediocre level. And so that's, I think that that's a continual challenge for, for speakers, for the clients and students that we work with, and then even just for myself within our, within our own business. Yeah, I, I could even sum it down in those, those two things. Who do you speak to? What problem do you solve? Uh, and that, that's it. Because what, what problem you solve is ultimately what you're, what you're speaking about. Uh, and so I'll give you a quick analogy here. There, one thing we tell our students regularly is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. Meaning, if we were looking for, if we're going out to eat, we're looking for a good steak, like we have a choice. Like we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred th things that they offer, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really, really well. So they don't do seafood. They don't do pasta. They don't do uh, tacos. Like they do steak and that's it. And so if you, if you want tacos, like that's not where you go. If you're looking for a good salad, you probably don't go there, but if you're looking for a good steak, like that's your go-to place. And so that's, that's the same thing that you're trying to do as a speaker. And again, we, we get it whenever it comes to like a restaurant or something like that. But for some reason, whenever it comes to, to what we're doing, whether again, speakers, podcasters, entrepreneurs, authors, whatever it may be, we feel the need to spread the net as far and wide as possible. And again, that's not what people are looking for. So the more specific, the more narrow, the more focused you could be as a speaker, as a coach, the easier it is to attract the right type of customers and clients for you. That is something that's coming to my life Again, just it's so funny that we're having this conversation because I'm really going down the road of being the energy coach. Like mm -hmm. that is, that's what I do. And the problem I solve is helping people manage and harness their energy. So speaking of energy, I know one of the topics uh, listed here that you love to talk about is work-life balance. Is it a myth, work-life balance? I think it. Um, I think it comes and goes in waves, and they're so. Uh, whenever I'm talking with someone, and they're they are, they're, let's say they're overwhelmed, they have a lot going on. One question I always like to I like to ask is, is this a season or is this the way it is? Is this a season or is this the way it is? Meaning, there's going to be some seasons that are just busier than others. Okay, so for example, if you are, let's say you're an accountant, you you're a CPA, you do taxes. Okay, anything around March, April, when tax season is, it's just going to be busy. If you're in retail, November, December is probably going to be busy, right? And then in January comes and the price slows down. And so there are times where it's just it's just busy. And so you have to ask yourself, is this a season? Or is this the way it is? Because if it's a season, I, I can ride that out. But if this is just kind of like, boy, it's been like this for a long time and I don't see any end in sight, like, okay, then you need to step back and kind of reevaluate. So the idea of 
everything's in perfect alignment, 365 days a year, 24 seven. Like, I don't know that that's actually realistic or the case. Cause there are certainly, you know, days or weeks where I'm out of balance one direction or the other, but I know as a general rule across the board, averaged out, I think I do a pretty good job staying balanced, but uh, I think you have to look at it from the macro, not necessarily from the, the micro view. Yeah, and as a as a Libran, I've spent most of my life trying to keep the scales balanced. <laughs> but yeah. I, I love again that that really resonates certainly certainly with me, and I'm sure a lot of sports coaches out there as well. Yeah, um, I mean, if you're if you are a if you're in the sports world, then you know there's going to be there's preseason, there's playoffs, there's regular season, there's off season. Like there's just seasons, like literal seasons that exist, and some that are going to be you know if you you know we're recording this in the middle of of summer, or so we're thinking about like um. Uh, the NBA playoffs are happening right now, right? The NHL playoffs are happening right now. It's just like, it's just a season. And then a, a week or two from now, the season's over. And then we're going to, they're going to take a month or two off. And then they start getting into off season uh, or, or preseason, like uh, uh, training camp and warmups and, and, and that sort of thing to get ready for the next. And there's just, there's seasons that happen. So right now they are all in on the business, but in another week or so, they're going to be all in on nothing, nothing business sports work related. They're going to be, you know, with family or on vacations or whatever it may be. And so there's always just going to kind of be these, these ebbs and flows. So that's where I think, you know, really being able to like take a step back and look at what, how is, how is my life looking like um, uh, in terms of balance on a, on a, you know, month to month basis versus just like, what does today look like? Cause today may be vastly out of balance compared to any other day. Yeah. That, uh, Really, really resonates, as I as I said. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm wondering about, you said that speaking came naturally to you early on. What about those people where speaking doesn't necessarily come naturally? What is it? it what's the statistic? You'll probably know it better than me, but second to dying isn't sure. fear of public speaking number two. Uh, so how do you, what advice have you got? And even I know some coaches they're really good at their craft, like say their sporting craft or one-on-one -on -one or with, with kids, but then they've got to go and give a presentation to the parents about their programming, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So let's just take a, take a look at that for a minute. Fear of speaking, what tips have you got to help coaches overcome that? Yeah. So uh, one thing that, that's important to note is I think there's kind of this misconception that the best speakers are these kind of, we all kind of have this characterization in our mind of this huge personality, this raging extrovert, this life of the party, this, um, you know, larger than life type of, of personality. And like, that's not always the case. You know, there are certainly speakers who are like that, who fit that stereotype, but in the same way that let's go back to, again, sporting coaches, there are uh, sports and athletic coaches who are on the sidelines and they are uh, loud and very vocal and they're yelling at, at other coaches. They're yelling at uh, the refs. They're yelling at whoever. Uh, and then there's some that are very soft-spoken and quiet and chill and mellow. And like, they both work. So I think what's important to know is don't feel like that you have to fit some type of stereotype of what, a, what you think a speaker should or shouldn't be. It's important to remember that as a speaker, you are a human talking to a collection of other humans. And so what's important is that you act like a human and most importantly, that you act like yourself and not trying to be some characterization of what you think a speaker is supposed to be. And so whenever it comes to the speakers, there are speakers who are, you know, huge larger than life personalities and that works. And there are speakers that are very, very quiet and soft-spoken 
and that works. And so again, what's important to note is like, again, you don't feel like you need to be something that you're not, but be true to yourself as a speaker and being clear on what you're trying to communicate. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So where I want to go next is I want to talk about this concept that you brought up earlier in, in the episode around asking questions and being patient and pulling the information out of people. And then on the flip side, you're a speaker. A speaker is someone who stands on a stage, directs, tells. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an opportunity to blend coaching skills within a crafted talk? If that question makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm just super curious about the balance of that audience engagement um, and finding that, you know, between telling, sharing the information that you're there to share and drawing their own conclusions of stories or metaphors or analogies. Did that, yeah. that, that make sense, that question? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think a, a, good, a good speaker and good communicator is going to have room for both. And so some of it is, hey, here's the prescriptive next step that you need to take. And some of it is, you know, here's some different, you know, examples or case studies, or here's some different things that you could do. And it's best for you to come to your own conclusion on what makes the most sense. But all of these are, are good. It's kind of like, if we go back to what I was mentioning before, as it relates to um, being an entrepreneur, there's all these different things that you could do. And there's not necessarily one that's better or worse than the other. You just have to decide what makes the most sense for you. So I'll give you a good example. Um, a few years ago, I was really interested in real estate investing and something I was just intrigued by. I didn't know a ton about it, but my wife and I were interested in, in doing some real estate investing. And so I was talking with a friend of mine who was a very successful real estate investor, had done a ton of real estate investing. And so I asked him, I said, hey, um, I'm interested in this. I said, you have all these different types of real estate investing. You have single family homes and mobile home parks and multifamily and Airbnb and um, commercial properties and raw land and on and on the list goes, right? And I said, which one is best? And he said, yes. I was like, what? That doesn't help. What does that mean? And he's like, they all work. But what you won't find is someone who's trying to do all of them. So you can find someone who's killing it with single family homes. And you can find someone who's killing it with apartments and someone who's killing it with raw land and everything in between. But what you don't find is someone who's trying to do all the things. So whenever it comes to being a speaker, there's also like not a one size fits all, right? And so one of the best things you can do is to, again, share like some of the prescriptive of like, hey, here's some of the next steps. And also here's some possible next steps. And you know what? Any of these paths could work. But what you can't do is you can't go down all of the paths. And so pick something and, and get going that direction. And then if you need to pivot or adjust or course correct, that that's totally fine. And so uh, I think definitely a, a good speaker allows room for, for both. I couldn't agree more from that perspective. The through line so far this episode is being your authentic self and getting really clear on what's that one thing that you do best. Yeah. The And again, kind of going back to, um, I think because because most people have a difficult time with that, uh, like the expression of it, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. You know, oftentimes as coaches, we can identify things in other people that it's hard for us to identify in ourselves. And so sometimes we need that third party to look and be like, hey, have you ever thought about, or have you ever, have you ever noticed this? Or it helps to have that outside perspective that it, it's hard to get from yourself. But because of that, like, um, 
it's it's easy to overthink and overanalyze to the point that we do nothing. And so we see this a lot with speakers who, when we talk about getting clear on who do you speak to, what problem that you solve, they think, well, I have all these different options and I can't possibly narrow it down. And if I do this, then there's the opportunity cost of leaving that one behind. And it's like, yeah, but at some point, you got to pick something. And so if you need to pivot, if you need to course correct, that's fine. But uh, like a line I like to say is, it's 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 easier to steer a car in motion than it is to steer a car in park. And so when you have a vehicle that is in park and you try to turn the wheel and it's at a standstill, it's not going anywhere. But if you put that car in drive and you get going even just a couple of miles per hour, you can steer that car and you can turn and pivot, but you have to, again, do something to get the car in motion. The same thing with like podcasting, you know, or, or coaching, you know, you're thinking like, but such and such is a better coach or such and such is a better podcaster. They know more about these things than I do, but they also started from zero, which is so important to note. Like there was a time where they had done zero coaching. They had done none podcast episodes. They've never done a speaking engagement, but then they did their first, they did their first episode. They wrote their first article. They had their first coaching client. They did the first speaking, this uh, speaking gig. And they, from there, then they got better, but none of that, you, you can never get better. You can never improve until you're comfortable with going, I, I have to start at zero. I have to start somewhere and then do that first one. Mm. Best ways to engage an audience? I think stories, stories are really effective. Um, analogies are really effective. So you can tell even like with what we're talking about today, I've referred back to a lot of different stories, um, a lot of different analogies. Let me tell you about this real estate investing thing. Let me tell you about the steakhouse versus the buffet. Let me, things that help steering the car in motion versus park, like these things that help connect the dots in people's minds. So stories are really powerful. When you tell stories, I always lean toward first person stories, stories that you've actually lived and experienced. Here's this conversation I had with this friend about real estate investing. Here's exactly what he said to me, here's exactly how I felt. So those type of stories, I think are more uh, relatable, memorable. Um, so stories are definitely one of the biggest, easiest, simplest things that any speaker can do to better connect with and relate with an audience. All right. Well, on that note, uh, Grant, could you round us off with a story? <laughs> one of your stories about your journey that uh, has put you on the path for today. I know you've shared a couple of sliding doors moments, but uh, yeah, would love to, to round it off with a with a story that you think our audience would really um, gain some insights from? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I will, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good one that would work. I'll give you a, 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 um, a phrase that I use a lot. Um, and I think a lot about, uh, I think a lot about who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning like if we are great coaches or podcasters or speakers or authors or entrepreneurs, but if we drop the ball as, as uh, husbands, wives, moms, dads, sons, daughters, friends, if we are a shell of a human being, we're doing something wrong. And so we were talking a little bit beforehand, before we started recording, uh, uh, I mentioned I'm, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married 20 years. We've got three daughters. It's me and a house full of women. It's awesome. It's the best. I absolutely love it. Uh, and as much as I love being a speaker, as much as I love being an entrepreneur, my most important roles in life are being a good husband and being a good father. I have one shot at that. And so my daughters, they did not get a vote on who their parents were. They're stuck with me. And so I want to make sure that I, I've got one shot at this. I want to make sure that I do an absolutely great job. And so while I enjoy building a business and I enjoy helping people with speaking and I enjoy doing all those things, I don't want to do those things at the detriment of my relationship with my girls. And so uh, that's one thing I, I think a lot about, I speak about, I talk with our team about is 
who you are is more important than what you do. Uh, and so making sure that we are really putting our energy and emphasis into the roles that matter most in life. Well, uh, certainly your leadership and dedication is one of a kind. And you can follow Grant at Grant Baldwin, just as it sounds, we'll put everything in the show notes. Um, so I'm going to uh, one more time finish it off with thanking you and in one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great speaker to round us off. Grant Baldwin, thank you so much. And if you're curious to know Grant's answer, please listen to our sponsorship message and you'll hear it at the end. Just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Lucky in Love. Check out their website, shopluckyinlove.com for all your golf and tennis sporting attire. And the coupon code is DOYLE20, D-O-Y-L-E, the number 20, to get 20% off all your tennis and golfing needs. What makes a great speaker? I'm going to go uh, human, which is one of the things we, we covered and talked about. Uh, and I think um, humble, uh, a, a speaker that, is, um, that doesn't seem like they're on top of the world. And, and uh, they're, again, a human talking to a collection of humans. And uh, I would say prepared. So the best speakers in the world, they don't, they don't uh, just scribble a couple of ideas on a napkin and hop up there and wing it. They really spend the time to practice and prepare and make sure that they, they come up. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean it's always polished, but they really spend the time to be prepared. Mm, great qualities for all coaches out there, not just speakers. So thanks again, mate. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, uh, love Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks, Emma. Appreciate it.